All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Grease the Wheels. Your weekly tactician podcast from that crazy bastard, Uncle Jimmy. Coming to you live from the Rock and Roll Garage, it's Grease the Wheels, the automotive tactician podcast. For all you wrench twisted mofos out there, Grease the Wheels Nation. Hey, I hope you're having a good day, man. Hope everything's going right for you. Uh, it's a Monday night, because I like to do these on Monday night, because I get worked up and get angst-filled from all the f- horseshit that comes down the pike on Mondays. And so I think it makes for better copy. Hey, what I got on tap for you today is uh, I found this thing called, uh, well, this is what it was. It was it was a survey on how consumers perceive repair shops. It was part of a, I don't know, an automotive uh, kind of a trade sort of an email that I got. A couple, two, three weeks ago, actually, I didn't really look into it too much then. And since then, I haven't looked into it too much either. Uh, You know, I'm like you. I'm kind of busy. And uh, when I'm not busy, I don't really want to fucking deal with the fact that I work in the automotive industry. You know what? Seriously, sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Fuck that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to think about it. Okay? And that's what happened to me with this. But I did want to kind of dive into this. And what I wanted to do is kind of put you as a technician into a, a specific frame of mind. And I'll tell you why. Just the overall theme of this particular article, which is a survey, the results of a survey that reveals how customers and consumers perceive repair shops. Now, they're not, they didn't specify what kind of repair shops, whether or not you're a quick lube or an indie shop or a dealership. They didn't they didn't specify, okay, in this particular survey. They didn't they didn't single anybody out to make them look good or bad. It's just a survey on how customers perceive repair shops. Now, you might think to yourself, well, Jesus Christ, Uncle Jimmy, I don't really give a fuck what my shop's perception is to to customers. And I agree with you. You shouldn't really care. You should care about the uh, quality of your own work and the amount of compensation you receive for doing a quality job. If, if, If indeed you do a quality job, I'm hoping you do. And that really doesn't have anything to do with the customer's perception. And that's where we all suffer, really. I think the shop owners... Dealership owners, dealership uh, corporations that own mega millions of dollars worth of dealerships and ourselves is that we are all really lumped into one fucking group, one group. We're just a bunch of fucking cocksuckers who rip people off when their car needs to get fixed. And it's it's so not true. And you guys know that. I know that. Um, that somebody's getting rich, but it certainly isn't us, the fucking guys doing the goddamn work. And does it sound right? No, of course not. And, uh, you know, me, I've, uh, I've railed against it for close to 200 episodes. So I think you know where I stand by now. But I wanted to kind of point out that a lot of times the way your shop is perceived by customers is entirely 100% out of your control. Okay. And I've said this before that if you work with 10 guys who don't know what they're doing, your shop doesn't know what it's doing. If you work with uh, 10 guys who know what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing, your shop knows what it's doing. The fact that you're there may be an anomaly, it may be an accident, whatever, you may not be there for very much longer, or you may decide to uh, dedicate yourself or rededicate yourself, depending on how long you've been there, and uh, pick up the pace and maybe get with the program and become a better technician. I think that that would probably be the goal of a lot of us. Some of us, some some of you, I say some of you, not some of me, because I definitely try to uh, aspire to uh, be a better mechanic every day. Uh, And there's many days where I fail. Uh, Today was not really one of them. I had a pretty good day today, actually, even though I was way, way, way the fuck out of sorts. 
And I mean, way out of sorts. I had kind of, I don't know, it's almost a cosmic thing where I just felt like, uh, I don't know, I felt worthless all day long. And uh, somebody going, yeah, we know that feeling. Thank you very much. Uh, we know how you feel. But I want to move on here. Uh, let's let's get right to the point here. Here was the first question that they asked people in this particular survey. Now, I'm not, I'm ripping this. Obviously, I'm plagiarizing the shit out of this. And uh, I don't know whoever wrote this, if they're going to feel uh, upset or uh, violated. It says that it was uh, put together by staff and at this particular uh, automotive trade magazine that likes to send me stuff and they should know fucking better, but they don't. Uh, here's the first question. It says, choosing an automotive provider question. When considering a specific automotive service provider to obtain your vehicle services, and in parentheses as oil change, tire rotation repairs, etc. And I'm not sure what etc. is in this case. You pretty you pretty much got it covered with maintenance and repairs. What else is there? Maybe there's details. I don't know. Uh, details, details. Uh, you know, getting your car cleaned and detailed and or possibly collision repairs, but uh, that should fall under the uh, heading of repairs. Uh, what is the main reason you choose one provider over others? And here's what we found is that uh, the main reason was price, how much money that fucking place is going to charge you. And that really shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, considering how much your shop or your dealership actually charges people for the maintenance and repairs that you perform. Uh, I would certainly look around for for better pricing uh, if I wasn't able to fix my own shit. I think that all of you would too. I certainly, uh, you know, if you were on the road and you didn't have your tools with you and you needed a repair in another city or another state, and you rolled into a shop and they told you that it was triple what you would normally get for it, you'd be like, yeah. How about you go fuck yourself? I'll go buy some tools and the parts at a Napa and do it and still save money from what you were going to charge me, you bunch of fucks. Really, that's probably the only way you're ever going to find for yourself anyway as a technician, if you're a technician, that price is a point for you. I mean, if you're on vacation or if you're traveling and you need a repair and somebody can do it for you, if it's interrupting your trip and causing you great distress, it might be worth it uh, regardless of the price what whatever it is, to get it done. Uh, Maybe not, though. I have, uh, I think a lot of you are in the same boat as me. You really can honestly probably fix almost anything. I don't want to say you can fix everything, but I'll say you can probably fix almost anything, and you could probably do it almost anywhere. I've done breaks in a parking lot of a bank once before. Uh, I've gotten cars running out in the middle of fields. I mean, really, unless, unless it's so fucked up, that you would need major components to fix it. You and I have the skills and the expertise to fix fuck some just about anywhere, but most people do not. And I would say that the uh, percentage, and I'm going to make up a lot of, I'm just going to say it right now, that Uncle Jimmy is going to be making up a hell of a lot of numbers right now and just off the top of his fucking head, okay? But let's put it, let's, let's put it like this, okay? There are probably 10% of the people on this planet who if their car broke down, they would have some sort of idea what's wrong with it. It's 10%. And I think that that's being generous, actually. Okay. There's 5% of them who could fix it without any trouble at all. There's another 5% who could probably fix it, but it wouldn't be a really good fix. And then the other 90% of those people, they couldn't fix anything. They can't even fix a sandwich, you know, seriously. So what you run up against is that price is only a point, really, for those people and not you. So you'll have to take Somebody else's word for it here when they do a survey and that price is the number one 
uh, concern. And what ruins me, okay, as a technician, is that price shouldn't be that big of a factor, except for the fact that shops and dealerships charge a shithouse of money, which they intend to fucking keep. They're certainly not going to split it with you. They're going to give you absolutely as little as they possibly can. And they're probably going to try to beat you about the head and neck area to do some sort of service or some sort of correction or some sort of minor repair for fucking free. But here's the problem. They're almost always going to charge the customer. Or if you do it for free, they might just give it to the customer and then it'll look like they gave them the service for free when it wasn't them at all. Uh, the point, case in point is in, in my shop and then print this on every single fucking repair order. Complimentary inspection. Complimentary multi-point inspection. Yeah, you know who that inspection's complimentary of? The technicians, not the shop. Shop's not inspecting your shit. The dealership, the business is not inspecting your shit. The fucking guy that they're grossly underpaying is inspecting your shit. And oh, by the way, they're not going to pay him to inspect your shit. That's why it's complimentary. It's complimentary not only to you, but it's complimentary to the business. And they're going to turn right around when something's wrong and they sell it and keep probably, well, what is it they keep? 70 to 80% of the fucking uh, money spent for labor? Man. It just ain't fucking fair. That's all there is to it. Now, uh, one of the other things here, there was a couple of other things here uh, that, that people consider when they're choosing a shop to go to. Uh, price was number one. Number two was, uh, and, and this was a, almost a tie, really. But number two was expertise or, <laughs> let me learn how to say that, please. Expertise slash technical ability and knowledge, 19%. Uh, And I think that this falls, when you look at this category, what they're talking about is uh, whether or not the shop is well-versed in working on a Japanese model cars or German model cars or even domestics. Um, If a shop specializes, that may be one of the reasons why that particular shop was chosen. Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, if you go to a shop where they work on European cars and you're rolling with a Toyota, they might just tell you to get the fuck out of there because they don't want to work on that Jap crap. (laughs) All right. Uh, Running a very close third to that was convenience of location. Of course, that makes probably the most sense out of all of this, okay? Uh, Convenience, obviously, you know, if your car breaks down a mile from your house and you're right in front of a shop, guess what? Ah! Maybe get a couple of those fucking mechanics to help you push that thing into their driveway. And oh, by the way, they can take a look at it and tell you what's wrong with it and maybe even fucking fix it. That would be convenient, wouldn't it? And uh, so convenience of location, that's uh, that, that rolls in here at about 17.7%. Next on the list was uh, credibility slash honest and reliable. Uh, yeah, boys and girls, I've been telling you this for a long time, is that if you're if you're out there ripping people off, I want you to go outside and I want you to, to, to hit yourself in the head with a hammer about a dozen times. You got to stop doing that, okay? If you're ripping people off, stop doing it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, one more time, a lot of good, honest work out there to do. You don't need to be a fucking pirate or a fucking thief. You don't need to quote services and then not do them. You don't need to quote services that don't exist. Power steering fluid flushes on vehicles with electric power steering. Don't fucking do that. Please don't do that. You're ruining it for the rest of us. And I'll tell you quite frankly, if I find somebody who's doing that, uh, I, I may just put the kibosh on that shit myself. 
Okay. I mean, it's, it's really annoying because like I've said a million times, we have really bad PR and we need to do something about that. And this, this little survey says that being credible, being honest and reliable and, and having a good reputation is, uh, it, it's number four on the list, but the things that it's behind, they're pretty important as well. So, and this, this rang in at about 13 and a half percent of the uh, people surveyed. They said, I need an honest and reliable place to go to. Reliable doesn't even really, it's not really honest. It's reliable. It means that you are just going to be there. I mean, how many times have you rolled into a business that's supposed to be open at eight o'clock and it's 830 and they're not open yet? That's not reliable. Okay. We don't, nobody needs that kind of horse shit. Uh, the rest of them all fell in well under 10%. There was uh, customer service. Obviously, if you get good customer service, that's good. You want, you want to, uh, you want to partake of that. Service and parts warranty. I think that warranties are actually probably a little bit more important than they, uh, than they have on this particular survey, but uh, I, I think it's down on the list because of some of the other uh, some of the other uh, points on this list. Online reviews, eh, you know, mm, they can be manipulated. So I don't see them as big. That was at about two and a half percent. So really, that's not that valid, even though I think a lot of people think they are. Uh, reputation, sure. Reputation rolled in at 6%. And that goes along with being honest and reliable and expertise, which were all larger on the list, okay? If you have a reputation for knowing what you're doing and being honest and reliable, those three things together as one thing come out on top, really. I mean, it's almost like it's 20, 14, 16. So it's about 40%. It actually eclipses price and even convenience. Uh, Your reputation, and, and and the thing is, and like I said just a second ago, your reputation as a mechanic is really non-existent, to be quite honest with you, in the eyes of a consumer. It's the reputation of the shop. Okay, If the shop has a good reputation and you have a bad one, well, guess what? You now have a good one because of the shop you're at. So reputation is very important, and it really falls in line with having expertise and technical ability, credibility, and uh, being honest and reliable all together. And, and, and together, those three points add up to about 40 points. Okay, so... Uh, that that really, to me, I think is one thing. Uh, honestly, uh, your reputation—it's number one, really. If you're just a place, if you if and and some of you want to open your own shops, and I would encourage you to do so. But it's it's a it's an extraordinary amount of work. You're going to want some help. You're going to want some capital backing. But you know what? It can be worth it. It can be very lucrative, especially the way it's being done by some fucking shops I've seen out there who charge a shithouse of money. But from day one, you're going to need to guard your reputation and make sure your work is top notch. Okay, because that is what is going to get you through the thin spots. And that is what's going to make all the other spots thicker and better and, and more lucrative. Okay. And you know, who knows where you're going to go from there. I mean, uh, if you, if you open a shop and you do good work and you get more technicians in and they do good work and maybe you pay them well and they continue to do good work and, and they always dedicate, they're dedicated. I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that go on with just being dedicated. A lot of, uh, technicians could stand to be dedicated to what they do and, and doing it right and doing it correctly. So reputation, I think, should be a lot higher. I think it should also be part of some of the other points that they had on this particular uh, survey. Uh, here was uh, the number one cri- criteria. Here's the uh, summary uh, for this particular uh, question. The number one criteria customers used to select a service facility is price. 
assuming a facility is following best management practices. Assuming, and I see there's a problem there. Okay, assuming a facility is following best management practices, not very many of them are. Uh, best management practices, I think that's that's an anomaly in this particular business. I have heard of and worked for, and, and you've heard me uh, moan and cry and piss and moan that management doesn't seem to know what they're doing and they don't behave in a manner which indicates that they're ever going to learn how to do what they need to do. Um, and, and maybe that's just my point of view. Maybe I have higher standards for people in management. I feel like following best practices would be really, really nice if they even fucking knew what they were, okay? But to continue on here, price will reflect an acceptable profit margin. Sure, uh, I think that people will pay a, a, a good price for good service, okay? The value has to be there. That You've heard me talk about that before. There is value in good, excellent, above excellent, just absolutely unbelievable service. There is value in it. They have to add the value by having the proper technicians in place, by motivating them properly. This is what they're talking about when they talk about best management practices. If you don't have anyone practicing these particular best management practices, then you're going to have a, a shop full of guys who are you know, looking at want ads, uh, figuring out how they're going to leave, trying to figure out how to get out of fixing anything. It just, it's un, they're just unmotivated and it's not, a, it's not a good thing. Okay, so number one is price, but there needs to be value there. And management really needs to instill the value and they can do that. There's many ways that they can do that. I think probably really honestly, the number one way to add value and make the price that you are charging, make the the, the door labor rate that you're charging seem like a value is to have good, solid, honest, hardworking, intelligent, maybe even brilliant mechanics working for you who are going to do the job quickly and correctly. This is falling by the wayside a daily because there's a lot of new people getting into this. I don't want to say a lot. That doesn't really, it's not really right, but there are people getting into this business daily and they need a lot of time to catch up and there's people leaving and they're taking with them all the, the experience and the training and, and the tools and whatever else they had with them. They're taking that all with them and what they're left with really isn't much of anything and there certainly isn't a lot of value there. So when you consider price, you really need to kind of look past price and look at the value and that's something that they really kind of glossed over here, okay? If you're if you're gonna pick a shop based on their door labor rate, maybe what you ought to do is investigate a little bit more and see if they have uh, the kind of technicians with the kind of knowledge and experience you need working on the vehicles at that particular shop. That makes the price, the, the, the money charged for services, makes it a good value. Number two reason, location obviously is something that can be developed. Uh, you can always move. Uh, sometimes your initial location may be one or two bays. And if you do good work and you have good technicians and you need to expand, obviously location becomes greater incentive for people to come to you. That's all there is to it. I don't know of a lot of dealerships that actually do honest to God market research to see exactly where they should be. I know the dealership I'm in just lucked out in finding a lot that was going to be vacant very soon you know, within the next few weeks. And the company I work for actually bought the property. They bought it and they didn't have any, they didn't have any commitment from the brand 
that they were attempting to coax into giving them a franchise, okay? They didn't have any kind of commitment from them, but they made a commitment themselves, but there was no real market research that went on there. There was no real uh, looking around and, and finding the optimal location. This location popped up. It turns out it uh, it turns out it's, it is fairly optimal, and uh, they got lucky because uh, some of the other suitors for this particular franchise that this brand was trying to uh, uh, drop on this city that I'm in now, they were all kind of uh, in a non-committal kind of a mode. Whereas the company I was I work for said, "No, nope, we bought the land. We're ready to build right now," and uh, it changed everything. And that, as far as that goes. Uh, they were they the brand was looking for someone to open a location in or around where we are now, which was perfect because of demand for the product in that particular area and where the closest location was was unacceptable for a lot of people living in this particular uh, locale uh, and it has been wildly successful uh, what we have done and I say we I, I've been a small part of it but uh, there's been a lot of people who have come and gone but uh, everybody who started there on day one and everybody who's there today uh, and everybody who's been there in the interim has all attributed something, maybe small, maybe large, maybe inconsequential, maybe substantial to the success of that particular dealership. But uh, the location was, uh, was, was, is a, was a very prime factor. Okay. So uh, if you're going to open your own shop, one of the things you're going to want to do is, is determine what type of clientele you would like, what type of vehicles you're going to work on or that you want to work on and what type of vehicles you don't want to work on and then try to choose a location accordingly. Uh, The number two reason was uh, expertise and technical ability and knowledge. The number two reason, obviously, uh, if you bring your car to somebody, uh, and it depends on the make and model, of course, we all know that, but you're going to want to bring it to somebody who has demonstrated that they that that's what they want to work on. You certainly don't have a lawnmower repairman come and fix your washing machine. Am I correct? You know, you don't have a, a plumber come to your house and try to wire up some lights. I mean, maybe he could do it, right? So you want to you wanna kind of have a, 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 simp, a, a, a set goal for the expertise that you're going to have in that field. I mean, if you want to work on everything, that's certainly all well and fine. And you may do just fine working on everything. But uh, after a while, I think you're going to want to you're going to want to kind of uh, you're going to want to kind of specialize. I think, okay, especially in today's world with uh, the advent of electric cars and all of the different brands and and all of the places where those brands come from. For Christ's sakes, some of them come from Asia, some of them come from Europe, some of them come from right here in the United States, maybe even Mexico or Canada, and uh, they're all different. They all do the same thing, which is kind of crazy, but they all do it in a different manner. And and you have to decide how, if you're going to specialize, you're going to have to decide how you want to specialize. Okay, now number three reason, obviously the, the number three uh, component on this list was convenience of location. Location, like I was saying earlier, location can be extremely important. Obviously, if you're going to be working on luxury cars, you probably aren't going to want to open a, a service center in a ghetto. Okay, in a poor section of town or even in an agricultural section of town. These people are typically a little bit more basic with their transportation. Typically, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, classify anybody in a specific way. I don't want to stereotype anybody, but there are certain neighborhoods or certain locations or certain locales or certain parts of your town or your county or even your state where 
the vehicles that you prefer to work on don't really get sold that often there. And so you could you could find yourself starving. And uh, if you know if you but if but on the other hand too, if you find that your clientele is is uh, available in clusters in a specific portion of your town, you may want to open a shop right smack dab in the middle of that cluster and rake in the do re mi. You know, Johnny on the spot. What do they say about real estate? Location, location, location. Man, you want to be in the right spot, baby, and you'll have the right people coming to you. And and then if you do a good job, they'll come back. So that's a, a little synopsis of number two and number three. Okay, now uh, let's let's take a look at customer loyalty. Here was the next question: Which statement best describes how you service your vehicle? Uh, oh, this is a, this is kind of a whopper, and I think that really honestly, uh, I think some of you might be surprised at this. Okay. And what this is trying to what this is trying to uh, find out from uh, from the people who answered the survey is whether or not they keep going back to the same people, or whether they kind of shop around, or whether they go to anyone in general and don't really give a shit where it is or who it is. Okay, uh, always going to the same provider tallied up sixty one percent. Okay, so uh, if you can do a good job working on a customer's car to the point where they're satisfied with what you've done and they didn't have to pay too goddamn much, they're likely to come back unless, of course, something catastrophic happens, whether you you know, you, you wreck something on their car and you don't tell them or you, you just fuck something up or they don't like the people they have to talk to when they go there. This, this is kind of a big problem nowadays. They're likely to bring it back 61% of the time, which is always good. Repeat customers are a great thing, okay? But what I think the customers don't know too is that once you get to know somebody, I mean, let's say a guy brings his car in five times a year. On that sixth time, not only do you know what kind of car he's got, you know almost exactly what he needs what he what he's there for you know his name maybe you know his or his wife's name or their kids or even the dog you know his car is going to be clean or maybe it's not going to be clean i mean if they have a dog there might be dog hair all over it some of you don't mind that some of you don't care uh some of you do care some of you may even be allergic to it but you're going to know that about that particular person that particular customer and you know what too if you got somebody who keeps coming back to you over and over and over again you could certainly cut this guy a break. He's going to give you a lot of money. And if he's got a car that is going to just require regular maintenance and maybe an occasional uh, repair, you can have a good customer for a long, long time. Okay. And that's really something that every business is looking for customers that come back to them, customers that are fans. I've heard that said before you want to turn your customers into uh fans of your of your business you want to turn them into people who are excited to come to see you who want to come to see you who feel like part of the family and i honestly think that that i think is 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 important because there's a, a, a awful i mean I, I i it's there's just an enormous amount of people on this planet and we're all strangers to each other and when you meet people who take uh, maybe a second or two out of their day or maybe a minute or two even to to acknowledge the fact that not only do you exist but you're a customer of theirs or that you're somebody who who deserves respect whether you do or not and they and they're going to try to look after you they they're, they're going to be somebody who's there to take care of you 
who's going to help you out. And they may even start to refer to you by your first name. They may start to to look forward to seeing you. They may maybe ask you, say, hey, next time you come back, we're going to do this, this, and this. You could pre-sell a service that way. It, it just makes the whole world a friendlier place, and it makes your business a place where they would actually want to come to. So when you know, let's say you have a customer like this, okay? He's been to your shop three, four times. You, you know his name by now. He shows up, he drops his car off. You go, hey, Pete, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. What are we here for today? Just a oil service? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, well, you hang out up front and we'll get that taken care of. And you could even, you know, in some shops, it's it's not so rigid. It's more rigid in like a car dealer. But in some shops, you could take that guy's keys and pull that car in and start changing the oil. And then he goes in and gets his RO written up while you're doing the service. You know what he needs. You know this guy. He's going to pay. He's he's there. You want to get him out as quickly as you can because he's busy. Maybe he's a doctor or maybe he's a lawyer. Who knows what he does? But he's he's you know he's not he doesn't want to waste a lot of time there. Although he feels pretty much right at home anyway. So th- your service advisor's writing up the RO for an oil change and you're halfway done with it already. And by the time they get done commiserating about what the fuck he needs or what he's going to have done to the car, you could be finishing it up. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that this could happen everywhere. I'm not even saying this should happen everywhere, but it could. It could. And this is how you build a customer base and make them into fans, make them into people who like you. And they're going to tell their friends, say, listen, I go to this place and they treat me like one of the family. And, and honestly, if somebody treated me like one of the family, I'd say, why the fuck you treat me like shit? <laughs> but people want to go there. People want to go to places where they're treated like like they're part of the part of a family, like they're part of the firm, you know? So always going to the same provider, 61%. Yeah, you're goddamn right. If you get treated right, why wouldn't you go back, okay? Now, the, the, the other ones here are I go to two to three different service providers or I go to four to five or I go to more to f- more than five obviously much smaller numbers uh people who responded saying they go to two or three different providers 34 percent that's the the lion's share of what's left uh and there's a sliver of people who go wherever they can four four or five different providers they're just all over the place they don't like this they don't like that they don't like this they don't like that fuck them you know if they can't figure out where they want to go fuck them There's 3% of people that responded to the survey that said that. And then there's uh, the rare breed that goes to more than five providers. And I'm not even sure how you could do that. You'd have to have a lot of time off. But that was 0.8%. Okay, so 61% of people like to go back to where they came, where they went before. They like to to have a place that they can go to. And and that is their go-to, okay? The next up on the survey was importance of facility offerings. All right. What can that facility do for you? From from uh, I worked at an independent not too long ago, and we didn't have an alignment rack. Okay, so we would send them out. We would send out. We found a way to get it done. But here's the thing: we really sh- should not have said we could do that, but we did, and we got away with it for a long time. Um, if you have a shop, you're going to want to be able to perform a lot of the services that you're going to offer, and if you have to sublet them out, boy, then you're really I, I think honestly, you're looking for you're looking for trouble, really, because then you start putting your cust- your customers' cars into the hands of people who don't give a fuck about them. Maybe they don't do a very good job. Maybe they do. Either way, you're the customer, and not not the ultimate customer. You're you're being sublet some sort of service, and uh, it, it may or may not be good. 
but you're at the at the end of the day you're the one who has to talk to the customer and he comes back and he's you know the the famous case with the alignment uh customer comes back and says the steering wheel's still off can you just adjust it so the steering wheel's on and you're standing there going ah ah ah, i'll have to get it done tomorrow you know because what are you going to do drive it over to the shop where you had it lined up and and have them fix it you know in like five minutes no it's not going to happen not going to happen so you want to kind of you know, put together what you can do in your facility. Now, most a lot of facilities are set up with everything. It's not really that difficult. It can be expensive. It's just not difficult, you know, um, if, you, if you're going to do. And then what I'm finding lately, and I think a lot of you see this, is there's a lot of shops who are just going to freaking specialize and, and infinitely specialize, okay? We have down here where I'm at right now, we have tire shops, that do absolutely nothing but tires. They don't even do alignments. They don't have an alignment rack. They don't do them. They just put tires on. You want an alignment? You got to go somewhere else. And I think that that might be the wave of the future. There's another place down here. It's It does just, they apparently just do brakes. And there's lots of places like that. There's places that do just exhaust. A lot of these facilities can handle other things, and they'll tell you right straight out, oh, we can, you know, if you want us to, we can change your engine. It's like, well, yeah, okay, but that probably wouldn't be that great of an idea, okay? So this question reads, this is what, this is how this question reads, okay? Please rate the following services slash offerings or benefits in terms of their value to you as a customer, okay? Now, uh, there was a, there's a chart here. It's got nine different uh, things that they ask people if they value this or they don't value this. Okay. And I'll just read them off here and give you an idea of, of how many people thought they were good. Okay. And you can decide how many people thought that they sucked. Uh, and obviously this was a, a COVID era uh, survey because the very first one is touchless drop off. Uh, and almost 60% said that, that was very valuable to them. I'm like, really? Okay, because all they do is spray some disinfectant in the car and then they drive it off with their shitty, greasy, dirty hands anyway. <laughs> yeah, 50, 56.9% said that they thought that that was very valuable. I think that that number has probably dropped some since then. Obviously, some people didn't give a shit. Uh, the rest of the other two were not valuable or neutral, and even neutral was larger than not valuable. I think... I think really we can forget about that shit, okay? As far as I'm concerned, COVID is fucking over. I mean, they can come back and say, oh, we got a new variant on it. Great. So you got COVID with an LCI. I don't give a fuck anymore, really. Okay, let's move on because I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Uh, Lots of people valued the fact that you had a shuttle or a valet service, Uh, 55%. uh, Some the equal numbers of people uh right around 20 22% felt that it was not valuable or that they didn't give a fuck about it okay uh rewards and points now here's one that I've never considered myself honestly uh cuz I don't use credit cards anymore I had some ran them up spent a ass load of time and money and energy fucking paying them off not going to do that shit again uh rewards and points not exactly sure what exactly they're talking about here, but a lot of people seem to enjoy the fact that they could earn points and rewards uh, to the tune of 60% with it almost dead even at 20 for people who didn't think that was valuable at all or were neutral about it, okay? Uh, Here's another one. The next category is called online scheduling and online check-in, and 66% of people found that this was very valuable. Boys and girls, I don't need to tell you how valuable the internet is. 
the World Wide Web and all that shit, especially when you can get it on your phone. How crazy is that shit, right? Well, the internet is changing everything and it is going to continue to change everything. And there's a lot of things that it hasn't changed yet that are going to be changed. I'm not going to play Nostradamus here and tell you what some of those things are. But I believe completely and entirely that you getting your car fixed, you getting your car repaired, is going to change 1,000% over the course of the next five years by people who know what they're doing and making themselves available online. Okay? They make themselves available online. That means you and me as service providers. Two people who need those services the internet is going to allow us to take the middleman right out of the picture and kick him square in the balls and send him off, send him reeling. We're going to be able to kill him. And we're going to, I, Eric and I are working on it right now. And once it gets done, you guys will be the early adopters on it. Okay. What is going to happen is people will just post. We're going to make it real simple and easy for them to post what they have what they have going wrong or what they need to have done to their car. They're just going to post it. They're going to create their own repair order. All you have to do is just bid on it. It's all you're going to have to do. If they choose you for whatever reason, great. If they don't choose you, maybe I need to modify how your bid looks. But from there, you, con- you get contacted by this customer. You go and you perform the service or the repair they need. They pay you. Holy shit, what a concept, right? And what's going to happen is the customer is going to be overjoyed because they're going to pay a hell of a lot less for that repair because they're going to pay you directly. So the customer is going to be overjoyed because he pays less. You are going to be overjoyed because you're going to earn way fucking more than you would have if you had some fucking greasy cocksucker with his fucking dirty, greasy hands in your pocket getting some of that money. No. That shit's gone. It's all by the wayside now. You get to deal with the customer directly. They get to pay you directly. You get to keep it. They pay less. They pay you more than you would have made if you did it for somebody else. And everybody's happy except for the guy that you used to work for. Okay. Online scheduling. 66% of people thought that this was very valuable. 19% of them were neutral about it. 14% said it was not valuable. Those 14% of People probably don't even know what the internet is, have no idea what a HTTP is or what an ISP is. And uh, they're not going to be part of the uh, the future of this business. So I've teased you enough about that. Uh, we, are, we are actually still working on it. The internet is going to change everything for you guys. Uh, we're working on a lot of different ways that it's going to change for you. And we can't wait. We can't wait to drop it on you because it's going to change your life. It's going to make it better. It's going to make it a lot better. I mean, the advantages, there's just advantages to it all the way around and every point of view, okay? The only people who are going to lose in that particular scenario, well, the shops and the dealers, sorry, they're going to lose. They're not going to be able to to get their greasy mitts on your money anymore, okay? All right, moving on. Uh, in-store financing and slash credit. Well, you know, as far as providing service, I don't, I don't know how many people, and I, I'm not privy to this information at all. I don't know how many people have such horrendous repairs to their vehicle that they need to get repair loans to get their car fixed. I don't know how many people do that. Uh, I know that repair loans are available. Some repairs are very, are just horrendous. 
and nobody can really afford it. And so in-store financing slash credit uh, says here that 55% of people find that very valuable. I don't, I don't know. I think it's obviously it's a good idea. Uh, if you don't have the money and you need your car to get yourself back and forth to work and you could get a quick, almost like a payday loan to get the money to fix the car and you could pay it off in a reasonable amount of time and it doesn't murder your budget, then yes, that could be a very good thing, okay? And uh, I think that in the future, it should be available for people to pay a mechanic instead of a shop, okay? So we'll have to work on that too. Offering finance, offering loans, repair loans, so you can get your car fixed. And then, you know what too? You go to a shop and they tell you it's $5,000 to replace your transmission and you have to get a loan to pay for that. Obviously, you have to pay back $5,000 plus the interest, probably be right around $6,500. But if you get a loan to get the same repair done by a technician, a mechanic, and he's going to do it at home, he might only charge you $2,500. This way, you only need to get a loan for about, well, you'd only need to get a loan for $2,500, and you'd only have to pay back right around $3,500, which is way more attractive than paying back $6,500, okay? So in-store financing, yeah, a lot of people seem to enjoy that. They seem to feel like that's a very valuable thing to have available, okay? The next uh, the next point here, and like I said, there was uh, nine points here. This is number six. Uh, complete service all in one place. Yeah, 80-plus percent of people thought that this was very, very valuable. They, they liked this idea of going to one goddamn place and getting everything done. So if you're going to open a shop or if you're going to work on stuff, you need to be able to provide all of the services that your customers think or or do need. You're going to want to make sure that you're a complete service and that you can provide everything that they need. Now, obviously, a lot of shops, I mean, what does that involve, right? Having an alignment rack, okay? If you're working at home, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to have an alignment rack, but are you... Do you have a place where one is available to you, perhaps? How about tire machines and wheel balancers, okay? Same thing there. Do you have one available to you? Do you do enough work on customers' cars that you could afford to buy one for yourself at home? Eh, who knows? Uh, many shops already have these um, if you're working in a shop. And these people are really pretty much trying to uh, put their finger on the pulse of how people choose a shop and not necessarily a technician, okay? So I wouldn't rush right out and buy a lift and then a, an alignment rack and a tire machine and a and a wheel balancer just so you can offer complete service. Uh, you, as an individual, may have to kind of ease into that particular project. But as far as a, a repair shop, if they can get everything that they possibly need to have done to their car there, they are very, very happy about that to the tune of 80% of the people surveyed okay moving on here service and parts warranty 80 84 percent of the people polled felt that that was extremely important uh only four percent said yeah it's not that valuable i don't give a fuck about it uh nationwide brand network now i'm not exactly sure what they're talking about here as far as this goes uh there are a lot of different repair shop type brands out there such as you know like uh midas or monroe muffler uh, maybe brake check or, you know, a discount tire or something like that. A lot of people seem to feel comfortable working with a brand like that. And I, and it kind of, I don't know, I, I find it kind of unusual because th- there's no way to, that suggests that a brand has specific uh, technicians in place to work for them. Okay. What that means, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, you could go to a, a muffler shop 
in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota and get a muffler put on your car and they do the crappiest job possible and it falls off halfway home to Florida and you're in you know Kentucky somewhere and you go to the same brand, the company that's the same brand as the where you got it and they pull it up on the lift and they say, who did this? And you say, oh, you guys did this. Well, that's that's the thing is they didn't actually do it when you say you guys, it was your brand that did it. Okay. So sometimes that can be a good thing. And sometimes it can be a bad thing. There were 66% of people here felt that it was actually a valuable thing. Okay. And I think what they're really talking about here is when they, when they say you have a nationwide brand network is that, you know, it's like McDonald's. If you go to McDonald's in New York or LA, or even in Beijing, China, or uh, is it Beijing? Beijing. Or you go to uh, McDonald's in England or in France or even in Africa somewhere. It's going to be pretty close to being the same, even though there's all different kinds of people working there, okay? That's kind of the feeling you get by having a nationwide brand network is that the technicians should be of similar quality in all of those locations throughout the nation or even the world. And typically, that's not 100% true, but uh, certainly the feeling is there for 66% of those people. Now, uh, another thing that they listed here was roadside assistance. Not sure exactly what they're talking about here. And when I talk, when they talk about roadside assistance, are they talking about uh, having somebody to call who then dispatches somebody? Or do they have uh, a, you have a shop that provides a roadside assistance? And when you call them, they come and either pick you up or fix your car on the side of the road. I'm not sure what they're actually talking about here. I know that it says here that 70% of people felt that it was a valuable service to have at your particular shop. The next question that they asked the people they surveyed here is honesty of most providers. Now, I'm not sure how they, why they would order that like that. It should just say honesty of the service providers. How would you rate the honesty of most automotive service providers in the industry? Most? Uh, I think that uh, what they're doing is admitting defeat here by saying honesty of most providers. Uh, honesty of all providers? Oh, that sucks. because There's a lot of thieves out there. No, I think that what they uh, tried to uh, entice people to offer up if they have dealt with providers who were not honest and not taint them by adding them to this list of honest providers by saying most providers. Honesty of most providers. They're admitting defeat that there are some providers out there who are there to rip you off. Here, here is the breakdown of that. And this was really scattered, okay? Uh, they wanted to rate the honesty of most automotive service providers. Okay, so here's how this worked out. It's a pie chart, which is really kind of, I don't know, weird. People look at your repair shop, regardless of really what type it is, and they say they're honest or very honest 46% of the time. Now, they have it broken down in, uh, like I said, it's a pie chart. And uh, they have 20% of people believe that the repair shop is very honest. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, okay? Because 20% means that there's 80% of people out there who don't think that we're honest, very honest. Sometimes we're honest. Sometimes, eh, not so much. And then other times, dishonest. So it's really only 20% of people who believe that a shop or a technician, but mainly a shop, honestly, is very honest. I'm not sure how they get there. 
okay? I'm at a little loss reading this one here, okay? Because I feel like, and in the places I have worked, I, I'm not going to run anybody down or disparage anybody by saying, oh, I worked at this one place where we fucking ripped off everybody. That hasn't happened anywhere I've worked. That hasn't happened anywhere where I have worked. People go in and they diagnose the car and they tell you what's wrong with it or they do the maintenance to it and then they charge you. And the value, every place I've ever worked, the value of that particular service repair has always been there. Always. I have run into some people who every once in a while they have they have a, a brain fart and they make a mistake in diagnosis and sometimes people get charged a little extra for stuff because it didn't get diagnosed correctly but the repair got made and it got corrected and and you're good to go you're down the road but you, we actually we actually replaced something you didn't need to have replaced it doesn't happen very often it does happen uh, it doesn't happen on purpose very often and, but sometimes it does happen on purpose okay so. I have to agree with certain people that we're actually more likely to be honest than very honest, but still, this is not done in a uh, in a criminal manner. It is something that is done because this is the way it gets done sometimes. You have to diagnose something by replacing a part sometimes, okay? Not very often, and maybe you have the smarts to not do it at all, but not all of us have, <laughs> myself included, not all of us have the intelligence to... Uh, perform the diagnosis absolutely 100% correctly all the time and come up with a conclusion all the time. Sometimes you do what you can and you hope for the best, okay? There's no way for anybody who is not an automotive mechanic, there's no way that anybody who is not an automotive mechanic can understand that. But we do honestly try to get it done correctly every time. Now, between honest and very honest, together, they're 46%. uh, Very honest, tallied in at 20%, honest tallied in at 25%. So 46% of people believe that that the repair shop is honest. Uh, I think that's that's okay. It's still less than 50%. It's a lot lower than it should be. So in the next step here, uh, people that were surveyed, actually uh, a lot of them came up as neutral. Now, what I'm having trouble with here, in case you can't, uh, you can't tell, is that the pie chart shows that there was 46%, 20%, and 14%, which does not add up to 100. Now, a pie chart is complete. That's 100%. So there's a piece of this fucking pie missing, okay? They have neutral at 20% in the pie, but underneath it, they have it at 39%. So there's 40, almost 40% of the people, 46% believe we're honest or very honest, but then a whole other 40% of the people aren't sure how they feel about it at all. They're just kind of neutral. They're like, eh, they could be honest or they could be crooks. I don't know. And that's really what the, what's happening there. They don't know. They don't know. When you tell them they need something for their car, part of them says, oh, you don't fucking need that. And the other part of them says, how do you fucking know? And then they have that whole devil and angel thing on their shoulder going, he's fixing the car the way it's supposed to be fixed. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And the other angel goes, oh, but no, he's trained. He knows what he's doing. He's he's skilled. He's experienced. He's trained. He's smart. And the devil goes, no, he's not. He's a crook. He's just trying to fuck you over. Ah." People have that going on. A lot for 39.2% have that going on. They don't know whether to trust the shop or not. How could you take your car somewhere where you're not sure if you trust them? And yet there's 39% of the people who feel exactly that way uh, uh, that were surveyed for this. Okay. And then you want to think that the, this particular survey is really a good cross section of, 
of society, at least as it exists here in the United States of America. I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that people are... Uh, People feel that the repair shop is more honest or very honest more often than they are at least neutral. At least they didn't, uh, at least not a lot of people came up with uh, dishonest or very dishonest. They uh, These two particular together came out at about 14, 15% of people. So there's, there's still a good chunk of people there that think they're getting fucked by their mechanic or fucked by the shop. And really, honestly, they're getting fucked by the shop and not the mechanic. The mechanics don't typically get the money when they make the repair if they work at a shop that is we talked about this last week when you are when you are a mechanic for a person that person has a tendency to trust you you have a tendency to know that person and you try to take care of him because he pays you and he pays you well he pays you well but he's still paying less than he would pay the dealership or the shop okay so there's that what you have to what you have to contend with is that sometimes your shop is perceived as dishonest or very dishonest through absolutely no fault of your own. If you don't talk to or deal with the customers at all, which a lot of us do not do, a lot of us do not deal with the customers, service advisors deal with the customers. And some of them say some of the most, you've heard it, I know you've heard it, I've heard it, some of those service advisors say the most outlandish, unbelievable bullshit to people. For what reason, I don't know when the truth will work just fine. But they, they have a tendency to tell them all kinds of different horse shit. They have, a, they have another tendency to ignore them completely when they call to ask how things are going with their car. And for their part, people always just want to know, when's my car going to be done? When's my car going to be done? And of course, a service advisor is going to do nothing other than to just take that question and repeat it to you as the mechanic. When's the car going to be done? When's the car going to be done? And uh, as a mechanic, I really kind of hate this question because it slows me down from getting the fucking car done. And I like to say the car will be done when it's finished. How's that fucking sound? And uh, certainly uh, don't send for me. That's a bad thing to do. That's a very bad thing to do. And it will not be allowed. If you send somebody out to where I'm working on a car and you say, oh, uh, so-and-so needs to see you. I know what you want. And if it's something that you want. You are going to have to come back and see me. I'm not going to put up with this whole, oh, come and see me. Fuck off. I'm working on a car and creating labor. What are you doing? Sitting in your chair waiting for me to come see you so you can ask me when it's going to be done. I said, well, it probably would have been done five minutes earlier if I hadn't had to come up here and fucking tell you when it's going to be done. It's just a little rant from today. That's all, folks. I really don't enjoy the whole, when's it going to be done? When's it going to be done? Because a lot of times... And I would say probably maybe a good 30% of the time when you're doing a repair and people are harping on you to get it done, you get it done, get it done, get it done. That's when fucking things go wrong. Okay. It's a Murphy's law thing. Anything that can go wrong will. And if you got somebody chomping at the bit to get their car back and they want you to work on it as fast as you possibly can and they want to constantly know when it's going to be done, that's when shit's going to go fucking sideways. Shit's going to break. Shit's going to be wrong. It happened today. Guy's going, oh, what's ETN in this car? What's ETN in this car? I said, well, I can have it done in a couple hours if you leave me the fuck alone. And then I go to go to work on it, and I got the wrong parts. So your ETA just got turned into tomorrow. Okay, aren't you glad you bugged the fuck out of me? Because probably if you hadn't bugged the fuck out of me, I would have gotten the right part. <laughs> that's how I think about it anyway. Let me move on, okay, because that's really a, that particular portion of this of this uh, survey was very uh, disheartening for me, okay? A lot of people out there think that think that we as mechanics are dishonest or very dishonest, and if not us, then the shops that we work for. And really, uh, as 
seen by the eyes of the consumer. A shop and its technicians are one. They're whole. They're the, well, they're assholes, but they're whole. They are one one entity. Okay, they don't separate the shop from the mechanic. They don't separate the mechanic from the shop. They see all of us as lying, thieving pirates and jackals tearing at the flesh of these people with their cars, okay? Next thing up here is consumers rating the following. Consumers' perceptions among the primary types of automotive service facilities, quick lubes, repair centers, tire centers, and new car dealerships. What you've got is four different genres there. Quick lubes, obviously your your Jiffy lubes and your Valvoline instant oil change and shit like that. Then your repair centers, which are just basically uh, general repair garages where they do all that shit. Tire centers where they just sell tires. And uh, we'll lump tire centers in with brake centers and exhaust centers also. And then brand new car dealerships, okay? I'm gonna start with the quick lubes. Questions, please rate quick lubes on the following attributes, okay? Convenience, 62% said that they're very convenient. They're very good at being convenient. 8% 8% that they're poor. I don't know what's poor about quick lube. I mean, you go, they change your oil, you leave. That's it. It's fucking over, right? Okay. Price. They also felt that they were very good with price. They somehow or another, for some reason, think they're very good with expertise too at 50%. Uh, I think if they were actually able to talk to the guy in the pit, train any oil, they might find that this guy is not an expert of really any type at all and probably has only had his job for a couple of weeks. Maybe there's some long-time people working in some of these places, but uh, for the most part, yeah, no. Credibility, they're at 50% with uh, neutral being very high on that one. Uh, Customer service, okay, yeah, sure, the customer service is great, but they run this whole, uh, all the attributes for this quick lube rating, they run right around 50%, okay? So people are like kind of eh on them, you know what I mean? Some people like them, some people don't. It seems to be 50-50. All the way through the whole thing. Customer service, warranties, expertise, price, convenience, and credibility. They really didn't score much over 50 on any of that stuff, okay? Repair centers. Uh, I take repair centers to mean shops, uh, independent shops, okay? Uh, same set of attributes here. Convenience, 55%. Sure, they can, they can be convenient. Sometimes they're not. 55% sounds about right. Obviously, if you're not close to one, it's not convenient, okay? Price, Ah, this is where they really didn't do very well. Uh, according to what people think, okay? And and here's here's where you run into trouble. This is what people think. This may very well not be true, but this is what people think. 45% said that independent repair shops do a very good job with price, 45%. So that means that an overwhelming majority think that they don't do a good job with price. Now, let me tell you something that I learned a long time ago is that if you have a new car dealer in your town and they do a job, let's say, just just pick an oil change, okay? An oil change on a standard model that they sell and they charge $150. Okay, great. You open up a shop down the road, maybe one, two, three, or five, five or 10 miles down the road, and you do that exact same oil change for $125, you're gonna clean up. You're gonna clean up because you're 25 bucks cheaper. You're gonna clean up. You All you have to do is be $1 cheaper. You're still cheaper and then people will flock to you. They will flock to you because a lot of people, as I've already told you in the beginning here, a lot of people choose a shop based on price, which is kind of bass-ackwards. Does the value match the price? That's something you're going to have to determine on your own with every shop you go to as a consumer, okay? Now, I'm not talking to consumers, okay? So 45% feel like the price is very good. Uh, A whopping 41% were real neutral about it, which means that they admitted they don't know 
if it's a good price. They just don't know. 13% said it was very poor. These are people who think they know that it's a, not a good price. But 41% aren't sure if it is or isn't. And uh, that's probably fairly accurate, okay? Because I think, honestly, when you go to a repair shop and it's cheaper than what the dealer is going to do for you and the quality is just as good, and in some cases, maybe not very many cases, but in some cases, better because of the way they pay their employees. Because I think a lot of independent shops, a lot of independent shops, I feel, don't have enough work to actually pay a technician or a mechanic flat rate like a dealership will. Maybe that's not true. If you're hourly or salary, price really isn't isn't a part of the discussion for you anyway. When you go to a, a dealership and their flat rate, obviously the quality goes down from somebody who's uh, hourly or salary. So really when they talk about price, they should talk about value in the same breath and they're not doing that. Uh, And now, like I said, that depends on how you get paid. Expertise, this one is a little bit stunning here. They said uh, people feel, people surveyed feel like a repair shop has at at a 55% clip, they have the expertise to do a very good job. Uh, Sometimes yes. Uh, 35% of people, pulled in at neutral. Not sure why you would be neutral on that expertise. If you are working as a mechanic and you work at a repair shop, especially if it's just a general repair shop, you really need to know a hell of a lot about a lot of different cars. Okay. And I'll be honest with you, as your uncle Jimmy, uh, I begged off on that shit. The stuff that they were giving me, (laughs) I worked at an independent for about three years and the stuff they were giving me brought tears to my eyes and not tears of joy, (laughs) okay? I I don't want to have to do that again. I just, I want to stick to the one brand. It's, believe me, that brand is tough enough all by itself. And uh, so I don't, I don't need to feel challenged by bringing me stuff that was built before World War II and hasn't run since Vietnam, okay? I, I don't need that. You get enough of that at home. Thank you very much. Uh, expertise is something that when you have it, uh, you have it. And when you don't have it, uh, you fucking wish you did. And when you work at a regular repair shop, you're going to get expertise one way or the other. And a lot of people seem to think you already have it. And some 35% of people aren't sure if you're ever going to get it. Get it. <laughs> Credibility is the... Credibility is the next step here. It's uh, 51% feel that a repair shop is credible. Obviously, this is based on some experience that they have with it. Here again, an, uh, a whopping number of 35% are really neutral about that, okay? I don't know how long lived, how long a lot of these repair shops stay in business. Obviously, if they stay in business for more than 10 or 15 years, they're going to put that right on the right on the sign out front, you know? You'll see, uh, you know, uh, Jones Brothers Automotive Repair since 1981 or 2003 or since 1952. I mean, they're going to put on there, you know, how long they've been in business. I think that that lends a hell of a lot of credibility to what they do simply as longevity. Been working on cars at this particular shop for 70 fucking years. Now, honestly, the guys who started that shop aren't going to be the same ones working on your car today because they're probably passed on. And their sons or maybe even their grandsons or maybe even their great-great-grandsons are running the shop and working in it and doing all the work. But they have been schooled at the feet of the master's so that lends some credibility. So, you know, if you've got a shop, I'll tell you right now, if you've got a shop and you you throw a shingle out, Jones Brothers Automotive Repair, maybe it's at your house. Just tell them, hey, I've been doing it since 1981. 
Just put it right on there. Since 1981, and that'll help lend you some credibility, okay? Uh, customer service. I think that the customer service is probably uh, the most important thing. 55% of people surveyed agree with me that it needs to be very good. 33% are neutral about it. Uh, they wouldn't be neutral if they had me providing their customer service. They would put me solidly in the red. Wow, I needed an oil change, and I asked him how much brakes were, and he called me a cocksucker. It's because I call everybody a cocksucker. You should take it as a, a term of affection. No, seriously, if you've, uh, you know, you just got brakes done, they're all brand new and shiny, and I can see that they've all been done, and then you ask me how much I'm going to charge to do brakes. What you're trying to do in my mind is determine how much money you fucking saved, and I don't want you to figure that out. I don't need for you to do that math in your head in my shop while you're getting something else done, okay? So that's a little part of customer service that I consider not good. Maybe that's part of the 11%. It's like, I don't want to talk to you. Why would I talk to you? You've been a cocksucker every time I've had to talk to you. But 55% of people feel like it's very good to have good customer service. I think that that's essential. Uh, I, I'm norm, and I, you know, I, I digress and I, I, uh, kid and i joke that i would be horrible at it i could probably buck up and do it well i know what i'm doing i know what i'm talking about i know how to i kind of know how to make people feel better about what they're going to need for their car put it all in perspective for them and as far as customer service goes when you're trying to sell something uh and and it either happens or it doesn't happen that's the moment that that decision is made by that customer is when the customer service shows up if they decide well i can't afford to do it now and say, okay, well, you know, uh, your brakes are actually getting very low. You could go a little farther on them, okay? And then we're going to give you an estimate and tell you how much they are. But I want you to consider getting them done soon, if not by me, by somebody, okay? Now, that, to me, is customer service because it says, listen, I care about you getting your brakes done because they're going to fail if you keep it up. And you need to have somebody do them if you're not going to have me do them. And what that says is that it takes all of the uh, profit-seeking out of it, all of the uh, salesmanship out of it. It's like, look. Get your brakes fixed, okay? I don't want you crashing into the proverbial grease to wheels school bus full of children and killing them all, okay? That can be part of customer service as well. Certainly, uh, 55% of people feel like customer service is an important point in a repair shop. Warranties is the last point. Uh, a warranty, you gotta have, you gotta stand behind your work. That's it, basically. I mean, if you're a fly-by-night and you're gonna tell people, hey, you know, all sales final, no warranties or nothing like that, might as well just fold up right now, close the doors because nobody's gonna wanna, nobody's gonna wanna do that. It gives you carte blanche to do the shittiest job possible because you're gonna tell them, hey, we're not responsible for doing a shitty job, even though we're gonna do a shitty job. You gotta have some kind of a warranty. You gotta have some kind of value to it. And, and, warranties add value by saying hey we'll stand behind what we're doing and 50 percent of people surveyed felt like that was a very good thing 36 percent were neutral which is kind of surprising okay at 50 percent obviously 36 percent doesn't represent all the people but then there's some people who thought that warranties were very poor at a, a repair shop the warranty, let me let me tell you about my experience with it real quick. We'll just give you a little synopsis. Warranties on automo automobile parts as they are purchased by anyone, quite frankly, anyone, are pretty good. Okay, you can get, I mean, I use, uh, I'll just tell you right now, shameless plug, I use Rock Auto all the time. And when you look up parts on that particular site, if you go into the information for the part you're trying to buy, it will show you the warranty. It will show you the warranty, and I can tell you right now that they stand behind them. The only thing that you might lose on as a mechanic, as a technician, is you might not get paid to redo that job. 
the labor is very difficult to get uh, from any brand manufacturer, any you know, any parts that you buy, any of that stuff. They're really not interested in paying the labor. They'll replace the part, paying for the labor. Uh, they're going to make that as difficult as possible. And if you do actually get one of them to pay you the labor to reinstall a part, more power to you, okay? Warranties are very important because that means that, that the company that you're buying the part from is standing behind it and you, by God, are going to stand behind it too. And you're probably going to stand behind it with your labor, with the labor on the whole job. If somebody has a water pump and it's got a lifetime warranty on it and they come in in two years and that water pump is shot, they would expect, and I would too, quite honestly, for you to replace that water pump gratis, free of charge, under warrant. If there's any kind of charge at all, it might be for fluids, but you're going to have to do something with the labor can't have technicians working for free really not a very good idea to charge a customer to do a water pump a second fucking time even if he's not paying for the parts okay dad is going to wrap up the uh, repair center okay tire centers these ones did not fare very well tire centers and i and like i said i'm going to lump in all the other uh sort of uh genre repair centers tire repair centers muffler shops brake shops shops that do just those things okay uh convenience on them sure convenience on them is very good at right around 60 percent uh 30 percent felt that they were neutral on them uh if they're convenient they're convenient if they're not they're not really when we talk about convenience it really is just a personal thing for anybody who partook in the survey is that shit next door? Is it across the street? Or is it on the other side of town? Or is it even in the next city over? I don't know. That's really as far as convenience goes. Uh, but still 70, 60, almost 70%, uh, 60%, excuse me, felt that convenience was very good on uh, these types of centers, okay? Price, 50% felt that they were good. Uh, 37% were like neutral. Eh, I don't know. Is the value there? Because I think price is probably always going to be good when somebody specializes in something like this. But as far as value goes, I, I think the value is is not nearly as high as some places and maybe higher than other places, obviously. You certainly wouldn't go to a quick lube place to just get tires. You certainly wouldn't go to a tire center to get uh, something that they don't do, uh, maybe have them put an engine in for you. So you have to decide what the value is on what it is you're going to get from them. And a lot of times uh, when you talk to a, a tire center, which has just one thing that it does, whether it's just tires or whether it's just brakes or just exhaust, is the value there for what they're doing? It should be. If they're doing just one stupid thing, they should certainly have a good price point on that, you would think, okay? And I think that 50% of the people actually uh, agree with that. That's very good on their part. Expertise, they scored real high here, and I'm not sure why. To be honest with you, 57% said they're very good at, the, at uh, being experts at what they do. Uh, I've seen some of these kids changing tires at these uh, tire-only places. To be honest with you, what they look like to me is they look like they're disposable. Looks like they use them up, make them work their ass off for three weeks, and then when they wear out, they throw them away and get another one. I mean, that's what it looks like. It looks like almost like like they're a piece of equipment almost. They get used up and worn out and then they're no good at it anymore or they quit and they leave and they do something else. Uh, so as far as expertise goes, I don't think it's high. It's not. It's 57% here. People felt like their expertise was very good. I don't think it's it's anywhere close to that. That's just my opinion. If you're working in a tire center, please don't uh, be offended by that. I just, if you yourself work at one of these tire centers take a look at your fellow employees tell me what their expertise is like tell me you rank your shop at 60 percent 
for feeling very good about the expertise of your shop. Okay. And then if you, if you feel like that they're all really, really good at what they do and they're experts and all that, then kudos to you for having a, a well-run shop. Maybe your guys are well-paid. I doubt it, but kudos you for running a tight ship. Okay. Credibility. They get a lot of credibility at 55% there. Customer service. They get a 58. Okay. So they're good at customer service. Sure. They ought to be. They're selling one thing, right? like Chick-fil-A. You don't go in there looking for a hamburger, do you? Ask them about chicken. They'll tell you about chicken all day long. They don't know anything about pulled pork or hamburgers or even fish sandwiches. They don't do any of that shit. They know what they're doing, and that's sometimes all they know what they're doing. Warranties, sure. Uh, would you would you sell shit that doesn't have a good warranty on it? Not if you're a national brand. You wouldn't. 53% feel that the warranty is very good. So tire centers and these types of places, they scored very well, actually. As far as I'm concerned, um, I've worked in these sorts of places. I've seen some of the individuals that work in these sorts of places. I'm not sure I would score them that high in any of those things, but that's okay. Uh, I could be wrong, and I will I will freely admit that I could always be wrong, okay? Now we get down to the dealerships. Now, I got to say, from my own personal experience, it feels like the actual experts at repairing automobiles typically work at a dealership. Is this true in all cases? Of course not. It can't be. Because a lot of times, individuals will work at a dealership and decide that that dealership has its head up its ass, collectively and individually maybe even, and leave there and and either start their own shop, which I've seen happen, or work at a shop that somebody else started and now they're working for an independent. And yet they're equally, if not more brilliant than any of the mechanics left at the dealership. So... With that in mind, we're going to go through and we're going to look at uh, dealerships. They aren't always, always a haven for the uh, super intelligent. Uh, I think that uh, this may be a, a myth that gets perpetuated, that the best service you can find is going to be at a dealership. Not always true. Now, as far as the survey goes, however, they rated them uh, 62% for convenience. Sure, if you live nearby, yeah, they're convenient. Uh, and maybe they make it convenient for you by offering a shuttle service or valet service, or maybe they repair your vehicle and perform the maintenance with a mobile unit. You know, that's, this is going on now. Okay, so 62% felt that they're very good at being convenient, even though they probably typically only have one location, and it must have been somewhat central to get a score that high. Price, yeah, they're getting their ass beat on price here. 44% feel like the price is very good. The rest of them... Uh, 29% feel it's very poor, and there's 25% who are neutral about the price. Obviously, a dealership is going to charge you a premium price, and that would be just fine for a lot of people if the service was premium. And I would say probably in about, well, according to this, 62%, or not 62%, but 44% of the time, the value is there. The rest of the time, yeah, not so much, okay? Now, you... You as a technician at a dealership, if there's, you know, 10, 20 or 30 other guys there, you might be the only one really following through and doing the repairs correctly and the rest of them are just phoning it in. And yet the service is still sold at a premium. It's still sold at the premium, even though you're not really getting that kind of service. You're not getting a, a premium experience. You're not getting premium repairs. You're getting eh, somewhat good, somewhat good repairs, maybe. Maybe they didn't follow through. Maybe they didn't reset service lights. Maybe they didn't reset tire pressure monitors. Maybe they didn't do a video. Maybe they didn't do a uh, MPI. 
Maybe they didn't fill up your washer solvent tank. Maybe there's all kinds of things that they just didn't do, which you would like to think at a car dealer would be part of a premium service, which you're going to be pairing a very good premium price for. And so that's why you get 44% of people who feel like, yeah, it's a good value. It's very good. But 29 are like, yeah, nah, not so much. Okay. They charge a lot. Do you get a lot for your money? Is the value there any given day? It's a crapshoot. Sometimes you're going to get the finest service possible. And from the next same guy on the next day, you might not get the best service possible. So it's difficult. And then this is true really pretty much in every shop, every genre, you know, whether it's an independent or whether it's a, a specialized shop, you're going to find days where the mechanics are just, they're just the last thing on earth that they want to do. Price. Yeah. A uh, dealer, a dealership is definitely going to get their money. They're definitely going to get paid. I think a lot of people, I think that this is actually a little bit more generous. I think a lot of people feel like a dealer is going to charge them an exorbitant amount of money. And for 44% of people to feel like it's a good, a very good price, it's a very good price point. I think that that's a, a little over the top. I don't think that that's as accurate as it could be. I don't know what the demographics are on the people who are polled here, the people who are surveyed here. Uh, I think that that has, that's going to have a lot to do with how they feel about the pricing on their, on their repairs, especially at a dealer, especially. Okay. Expertise. Here's where the chart, here's where it went off the chart. And, and, and I don't know here again, if this is fair or not. Okay. But 75% of people felt that the expertise that they're going to get from a dealer is very good. The service at a dealer is very good 75% of the time. I think that that's way off the charts compared to what it really probably is. But uh, it's fine. That, that, that just means that uh, they believe that no matter what problem they have with their car, the only people in the world who can fix it are the skilled and trained and experienced master technicians who work for the brand manufacturer at the franchisee's local dealership. Okay. 75% feel confident that they have the expertise to fix their car and probably they're right more so than some others. Okay. Obviously, uh, for the cars I work on, there are systems in those cars that a, uh, a local repair shop, an independent shop or a tire shop wouldn't have a clue about, not even a clue. And yet we roll in and we fix those things all day long. You got a problem with this. You got a problem with that. Sure. We, we can fix it. You know, whereas other shops would be like, oh, you're going to have to take that to the dealer. So the expertise is there. I'm not sure it's it's uh, 75% of people feel like it's there. Uh, and and I would like to think it is there. Uh, sometimes it's not. But uh, that's open, certainly open for discussion, open for debate. And uh, the, the true answer will never really be known. Uh, maybe that's uh, 75% of those people. Out of that 75% of uh, maybe a good 25 to 30% of those people have had smoke blown up their ass at some point in time and don't really uh, understand what goes on in a dealership at all, like we do anyway. Uh, credibility, sure, they scored high on that as well. 68% feel like a dealership is very good with their credibility. Sure, they know what they're up to. They're the experts and they charge a really good price and uh, maybe they're convenient, maybe not. Uh, are they credible? Sure. Uh, will they stand behind what they do? Yes, I think that that's a large portion of the credibility. 
is that maybe, you know, if they get an expert who doesn't get it expertly done and needs to come back or, or something goes wrong, they'll take care of it, which adds to their credibility, okay? The credibility is that, yes, we will stand behind our work and we will uh, we will make it right. If we don't get it right the first time, we will definitely m- make sure that we get it right the second time. Customer service, I think this one is off the charts too high 67 68% of people feel like the customer service is very good at a car dealership uh i'm not seeing it myself personally i'm not seeing it i feel like the 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 customer service and i'm 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 pointing my finger right at service advisors in this particular case they just they don't have it they don't have it they they have their own little personalities uh some of them are good some of them are not so good uh, there's days when some are good and there's days where the same people are bad. Uh, there's things that they'll promise customers that uh, the technicians are not able to to follow through with for one reason or another. Uh, in their mind, always uh, a no good reason. Never mind that I have three other cars to work on before I get to the one you want. So by all means, promise that car for the end of the day when it's already two o'clock in the afternoon and I have about 14 hours work ahead of me before I can even pull that car in. Sure, go ahead. And and of course, what the service advisor will do is they will they will drop the school bus right on the head of the technician. They'll, they'll run them over with it. It's fine. It happens all day long. It's a kind of a tool that they use to, to satiate the customer's concerns, the anxiety. And it's somebody that really honestly, as far as the customer's concerns, might not even exist. You know, you could even make up a, a technician's name, you know, pick one in your shop, pick a pick a name for a technician in your shop that doesn't exist, you know, like Wilbur, okay? Just say, well, Wilbur was working on your car, but he had to go home sick, so it won't be done till tomorrow when there is no fucking Wilbur. There's no Wilbur. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to how to bamboozle people. What I'm going to tell you is is that customer service is really pretty much exclusive to the uh, service advisors, and I have seen some that were horrible beyond belief. I mean, it it, it makes me want to. It makes me stutter even thinking about how god awful some of the service advisors I've had to work with are. The ones I have now, I think that they're pretty good. Uh, I like to help them out as much as I can, but if they bug the piss out of me for ETAs, um, I'm not going to respond, especially when I'm not working on the car they're asking me the ETA about. What good is that shit going to do them? I don't know when it's going to be done. I mean, if I've given you an estimate, wasn't there a time on the estimate? Sure. But when am I really going to get it done? I'm already working on the car now. So when that one finishes up, I'll get started on yours. And I don't know when that's going to be. Because I can't sit here and tell you, okay, I just did a job on a car that paid 20 hours. And I did it really honestly in about 12, but I left the clock running so it showed 15. But you're asking me if I can get a car done today when I'm in the middle of a 20-hour job. So officially, the answer is no. I'm not going to be able to get it done. I don't have an ETA for you because I don't know how quickly I'm going to be able to get this job done. And I don't know how quickly I'm going to be able to get that job done. And it bit the one service advisor right in the buttocks because he quoted that the vehicle was going to be done at the end of the day, but the part ended up being the incorrect part. So Mr. Egg on his face had to call the customer and say back, oh, we ended up having a problem and it's going to be tomorrow. When he could have just said it's going to be tomorrow in the first fucking place. Because as far as I'm concerned, 68% of people felt that the customer service was very good. If people would just learn, if, if service advisors would just learn one thing, under promise, 
over deliver. If the guy wants his car by the end of the day today and it's anywhere after one o'clock in the afternoon, you have to tell him it's going to be tomorrow. That way, if it does get done that day, you can call him at four o'clock and be a hero and say, we managed to get it done for you today. We pulled out all the stops and we got it. We got you all set to go. I, I knew you were waiting for the car and I apologize that it was going to take so long, but we, we, we picked up the pace and got it done for you. Or would you rather tell, would you rather call him up and say, oh, hey, if you're on your way here to get your car, turn around and go home because it won't be done till tomorrow. Sorry. Okay, which one sounds better? If you underpromise, you can always look like a hero. But if you make promises that some people, other people can't keep, it's where you're going to run into trouble. And not not only are you not the hero, you're the guy who ends up with shit on your face. And the fact that 68% of people feel like that customer service is a good thing from a dealership, it kind of boggles my mind. But they're not seeing it from our point of view. Warranties was the last point on this particular chart. They came in real high there. Again, it's almost 70% with 23% being neutral and only 7% saying poor. Uh, I don't know any dealership, honestly, in the world that sells uh, OEM parts for the brands that they sell, whether it's one brand or 10, that doesn't have at least a two-year parts warranty and can take care of the labor on some of these repairs, okay? Because they, they do have insurance. You know, if something goes wrong, and they have to follow up with a repair, it usually can get done. Okay, now lots of people don't like to go to that well, and I get it. But are the warranties better at a car dealership? Yeah, they're pretty good. They're typically pretty good. So 70% believe that's true. I think that that is true. It's it's a very good thing. So what have, what have we come away with from this? Okay, what's the synopsis of all this information that I've disseminated to you? Lots of people don't really have a very good opinion of repair shops and or technicians, either as a whole or as an individual. Lots of people don't actually know mechanics as an individual. So our reputation gets lumped in with the shops. Sometimes if the shops don't do a good job or if they do a terrible job or if they do a great job, we might get a reputation in tune with what is going on with the place we're working. Also too, we feel like a lot of people uh, seem to be very in tune with how much things cost, okay? Uh, Cost, price, uh, and value, they're two separate things. You would like to think that they're the same thing. I think that value is something you have to seek out and you have to seek it out almost regardless of the price. I don't think that that's something that a lot of people know. Sometimes you want to buy the good one because it's going to last longer. Sometimes you want to buy the cheap one because you don't care how long it lasts. There's value in both particular points. The value of having something that you don't need, but maybe once or twice ever, you might want to buy something inexpensive or read IE cheap. Or if it's something you're going to be using daily and having a warranty and paying a premium price for it, it comes down to the analogy for our tools. Uh, You buy good tools. You buy good tools that work hard and don't break all the time. They're typically offered by Maco or Mac or Cornwell or Snap-on. But if you're just going to be doing a job one time or if you just need a set for home or if you want, you have a set you want to give your kid or maybe your brother or something like that, you get you get that stuff from Harbor Freight because you don't need to spend a lot of money because he doesn't know what he's doing anyway. <laughs> he doesn't know left, lefty, loosey, and righty, tighty. And if he's got a, a cheap set of tools, well, then he can go to town. But uh, he's only going to go to town once every couple of months, maybe maybe once every couple of years, you're going to be using your shit every day. So where's the value? Where's the value? Okay. You gave your brothers tools and they didn't have a lot of value, 
but only because he doesn't use them very often. But you, your tools have a lot of value because you use them every day and they work and they keep working. And there's value in that. And I think a lot of people are lost when it comes to, I think a lot of automotive consumers are lost when it comes to value. And I think a lot of automobile dealerships and service centers and even even the uh, the little genre ones where they do just exhaust or they do tires or brakes, I think what's lost on them is the value of a good employee. Okay, And that's really what Grease to Wheels has always been all about is what we do and what we bring to the business and what we can do for that business, okay? Over and above the repairs that we make, over and above the attitude that we bring with us is that we bring with us value, reliability, expertise, knowledge, and the ability to get the job done. And the value in that goes up and up and up every time one of us retires and you hire a new guy who doesn't have any of that value. Yeah. And I'm telling you that the value of a good technician is going to continue to increase for a very long time because what dealerships and shops have done is ruined that particular occupation, ruined it completely by having it not pay, by having it be physically demanding, mentally demanding, and making it hard to do it, making it difficult to do, and making it unattractive to do. And then when the pace sucks, that pushes a lot of us over the edge. And there goes your value right out the exit door with our toolbox and ourselves. I just wanted to kind of bring you some information about what customers think of, of not only us, but the shops that we work in and how they haven't really ever separated us from the shops that we work in and why a lot of the shops that we work in haven't separated us from their entire entity. Uh, and the only way we get to separate ourselves from it is by leaving, by greasing the wheels. That's enough of your Uncle Jimmy tonight. Uh, I hope that uh, your employers and your customers see the value in what you're doing and appreciate the expertise you bring to the job. And if they don't, well, get out there and start looking, boys and girls. There is an abs- It's gruesome. The shortage is gruesome now. It's It's really ridiculous the way they've... The way that businesses have responded to the shortage is to hire recruiters who don't fix cars to find people who do fix cars. It's like being a treasure hunter and hiring somebody else to find a treasure for you when there is no fucking treasure. Uh, I think that might be the, the subject of next week's podcast is all the recruiters out there. Everybody's out there looking for mechanics for somebody and getting paid big money to do it. I just feel like myself personally that if they took the money that they use to run the ads and hire these recruiters, that they could pay the technicians more and the problem would then fix itself. I can tell you right now that if the shop I was working at paid a a good, solid six-digit income for what I do, my friends would want to come work there as well. They would want to come and work there for that wage. But nobody has figured it out. I th- I'd like to think that somebody has somewhere. I know there are some places where you guys are making buku dinero, making a lot of money and more power to you. And I, I hope you're not working too god awful hard to make that salary. But because uh, you got to have a good work life balance. But uh, I feel like the value is lost on everyone customers, owners, service managers, service advisors, the whole lot of them. The value of what we do is lost on them. 
All right. I think that's enough ranting and raving for one for one day. This is your Uncle Jimmy. He's going to sign off and go to bed. And uh, at this particular point, he's just going to say, see ya. <laughs>